Hello, welcome to Journeys in Grace. My name is Pastor Eric Hubbard. I want to thank you for joining us today as we study the Word of God. There are two ways of reaching us. One by mail at Pastor Eric, Post Office Box 4473, Marietta, Georgia, 30061. And also by email. You can reach us at uh, Pastor Eric 523 at gmail.com. That's Pastor Eric 523 at gmail.com. Let's go into words of prayer before we begin. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the most precious gift he has provided for us. And we pray, God, that as your word go out, that they are fruitful hearers, Lord God. Those who hear it, receive it, Lord God, and bear fruit worthy of the master. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, today, we're going to go continue on with our study of uh, the era of comparison. And uh, our root scripture for us has been uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. And today we're going to, um, I pray that you would read that. Well, Paul talks about uh, the era of comparing ourselves among ourselves. In other words, looking at someone else and saying, well, you know, uh, I'm doing better than my brother over here. Or I'm doing better than my sister, so I'm all right. And see, this is, these are the things that have captured the world. And I heard a great uh, quote or um, one of the uh, ministers who I listened to quite a bit. Uh, he gave a a great quote from one of the preachers. He didn't tell me who made it, but he said was that in the last day, the Bible said that Satan will transform himself into an angel of light. And uh, as I thought about that, he went a little deeper than that. He said not only in one of the ways that Satan uses, uh, one of the ways that he spoke of was about using good. And if you think about it, you say, well, good. How could good be evil? Well, scripture says that uh, in the last day, they will call good evil and evil good. And he was saying that the, the, the battle or the um, discernment that will be needed by the believers in our day that we will need is how to discern between man's good and God's good. The, our current culture has uh, certain things that they've elevated to where they say, you know, if you say today that you're a Christian, most of the time Christians are, we are looked at as stupid, foolish, out of date unlearned uh we're the reason why that uh, this country is in the uh, is in the place that it is where because we have a stand that says that you know we treasure life we treasure the life of the unborn we treasure marriage we treasure um the the pattern that god set for a man and a woman uh for they would enter into holy matrimony we treasure uh sexual purity where we would desire that our sons and daughters uh, enter into marriage, and they will know their partner, their partner, partner only. And when you speak these things today, you are considered fool or foolish fools, um, uh, uh, someone who's who's out of touch with reality. And these things, as the scripture says, in the last days, they will say that the good that we that the Bible upholds. And this is what Jesus always directs us to, is his word. And I believe if you'll turn over to the book of Psalms, around the 138, chapter 138, the Lord says that uh, he upholds his name. He says, I, I magnify my word above my name. He says, I'm going to say that again. He says, I'll magnify my word above my name. In other words, the God of heaven says, the words that, have, that he has captured and allowed men to capture in this book they are more precious to him than his very name 
And we know that God has known by his holiness about uh, uh, the Jews, the Jewish brethren, they gave the father names. They called him Jehovah uh, Rapha. They called him Jehovah uh, 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 Shalom. He's the God of peace. He's the God of, he's the God of, uh, that's our battle axe. He's our God, that our defender, our buckler. He's our, he's the God of our peace. You know, he's the, he's our shield. These, then they gave him numerous names because they called him Elohim because he's the Holy One, the righteous one. Uh, there are, there's a name that, that is so holy that they, they, they would say that, you know, it's so holy that they won't even utter it themselves. And so what I'm saying is that God looks at his word. He looks at this Bible and the Bible says the, uh, uh, the Lord quotes and, and, the, and the apostles quote that the Bible was written by holy men as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is not just a book that was uh, uh, thrown together and men of their own opinions, but they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And in the last days, which I believe we're living in, we're living in a time and we're seeing so much that's going on where comparisons are being made. And things are being said and where there's good on one side and there's good on the other. And what I mean by that is that man's good should never be compared to God. Yes, we must make righteous judgments because that's what Jesus said to do. But when we become come to a place to where we have to judge what I think or what you think compared to what God thinks, I go to the word and say, okay, what does the scripture say about this situation? And the word of God should always stand above, be held in high esteem or higher esteem than man's wisdom. The Bible says the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. And again, because we as believers, not as, as, as uh, people who are, who are against everything, you know, we're, we're, against, uh, uh, we're against those who... Uh, have difficulty recognizing who they are, whether they're men or women, against the uh, the gay, the gay, uh, and and those who walk in that life and chosen have chosen that lifestyle. God loves them. I want to. I love them because we, as men, and all of us were 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 broken in some way, shape, or form before we got to know Christ. So I this. This, my heart goes out to anyone, and not only that in that situation, but I, we have brothers, and you know, we have uh, many of us. We have relatives, we have uh, people that we know who have different addictions. They're in abusive relationships, you know. They're in incarcerated. They're in prison, and all of these things we know that people are battling with. So, as a believer, we not only have a heart for them, but we share the word with them. We say, look. Many of us, we were in the same position. Now, you might, we might not have been on drugs or you might not have been, you know, um, uh, in an abusive relationship, but we all had things to deal with. And see, in our day, just like it was in the days of old, men compare sins. They give it on, they grade. Uh, if you can remember back in school, uh, there were certain classes that were quite hard and difficult. And uh, uh, math classes or, you know, or calculus class or class or whatever it is. And there might have been a test that came up to where everybody did bad on the test. And the teacher would say, okay, I'm going to put this grade on the curve. Prior to that, if you had to make a 92 to get an A, I think it was like a 85 to get a B and, and, and 77 or whatever it was to get a C. But when the, when, when the teacher had, had mercy, they would say, okay, 
I'm going to make this curve so that now 87 may be an A. We're going to drop down to 77 may be a B and 68 may be a C and you go on down, 58 may get you a D. But what I'm trying to say is that we think that if we live and we judge ourselves based on others, that you know what, I'm good. But see, um, because we know as believers and we, when we look at the scriptures and we say, you know what, as Romans says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have missed the mark. All have, have, have fallen short. And when we judge ourselves by others, then we, we, and we measure ourselves by others, then we're thinking, okay, I'm acceptable to God. Yes, we are acceptable when we come with the blood of Christ, when we come in his name, when we come having submitted ourselves and received from God, then we are able to stand before God holy and righteous because he is our righteousness. He is our holiness. And through him, by God's grace, we are able to stand before God as sons and daughters of God. We are that holy priesthood that uh, that called out people, the ecclesia, the, the, the kings and priests who the Father has anointed for such a time as this. And because when we look at the scripture and we judge ourselves against it, rather than against what the world says is, or the culture says, this is how you should live. This is who you are. But when the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, meaning old things are passed away. Behold, all have become new. That's Corinthians 5, 17. We are more than what we used to be. We're not that old man. I don't care if you're in prison today, if you are locked behind prison, prison bars, if you could be in the deepest, darkest dungeon, you could be held captive uh, uh, by some maniac or some crazy person, no matter where you are, if you are in Christ, you are more than a conqueror. And if we have to learn how, that whether you're in China or Iran or you're in some of these countries who want to suppress the voice of Christians and who forbid them to speak, but in Christ, you are free. And by wisdom and by grace, God is able to help us to live a fruitful and prosperous life. And see, if we would compare ourselves, if, you know, if you lived in another country and you compared yourself to some of the poorest people in the, in the, in the United States are richer than many of the middle class people in other states, other countries, because they, we, we, if you go by money, but if you go by the treasures of life, where a man or a woman have peace, oh, the price of peace. What would men pay to be able, what many a millionaire have, have, have committed suicide, have died because they did not have the treasure, the, the most, one of the most valuable things that we could ever have is the peace of God knowing I can close my eyes knowing if I don't wake up tomorrow that I'll be in the presence of my Lord and my Savior. No matter what comes, no matter what goes, no matter how the economy acts, whether it goes up or down, whether there's recession or depression or whatever the case may be, whether there's inflation or deflation, it doesn't matter. Because if we are children of the Most High God, he promised, Jesus promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Never. That means for eternity. 
We are in his presence. His angels stand at attention guarding us. His angels, his, his angels of goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. We have the very Holy Spirit of God on the inside. And many of you will say, oh, preacher, we've heard you say this before, but I just want to stir up your mind to let you know that the God of heaven and earth resides on the inside of you. If you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you walk, received him by faith and not just by lip service, but you actually have had that, that change of heart where you received Jesus and you have that peace of God. See, we know by the spirit where we're saved or not. You know whether you just did lip service and said the uh, sinner's prayer and, you know, you went back to doing what you used to do. But when you say it sincerely, that's why Jesus said, man looks on the outward appearance. But God is, looks at the heart. It's an inside job. God works from the inside out. And that's what we're going to be talking about today as we go into scripture and as we study the word of God. That we, I just want you to know that God cares for you. You're not the least. But the Bible says, greater is he that is in you, in me. The greater one is in you. When you walk into that job, you bring the kingdom with you. The kingdom of God is in you. When you get up in the morning, the kingdom is with you. The angels of God arise to attention with you. When you get up, they've been, they've been up all night. They go with you. They drive with you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Seeking and speaking, seeking to speak to you if you will listen. If we will listen, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. He will show you the right way. He will show us the way leading us by the, to the, uh, uh, through to the way, the truth and the life, which is the life and the light of Jesus Christ lighting our pathway. Whenever we come to a point to where we don't know, whenever we come to a point to where we wonder, God, what should I do? We only need to say, Lord. I receive your wisdom, which you said in Ephesians, you've abounded toward me in all wisdom and prudence. Not only do you give me the information, you show me how to use it, how to use it in that hour. You will either put, give it to me or you're going to give it to someone who, who will give it to me or whatever the case may be. I will receive the wisdom on what I need to do, what I need to do to do it. See, that's what wisdom and prudence is. Wisdom is how to take what you have and use it. Discretion is, you know, you have to have discretion, meaning you, you have to discreetly do some things. You know, what, what, what not to do and when to do. Paul said all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. Meaning, you may know some things. God may have given you a revelation of, of, of a certain act or a certain uh, action you need to take. But you have need to know, okay, when should I do it? When should I take this step? When should I change jobs? When should I... Ask, uh, 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 seek to uh, uh, get by this house or when should I get rid of this car and get the next one? The Holy Spirit is here with us to deal with us on the very smallest of things. That's why he's with us. And I believe what God most for, and most of all of, with us is to have relation. See, many men have religion. Many, there are many religions where people are, are seeking to know God. From our, from our, from, from, from man's point of view, and we put God in a box and say, okay, this is how you worship him. But Jesus said that we should worship him in spirit and in truth. With a, with a, with a, with a right and new spirit and in the truth of the revelation 
that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he, through the spirit, dwells on the inside of me. Let's go. We, we are well on into this lesson. So we're going to start out today in the book of John, John 7, 24. And then we're talking about the error of comparison. So in John, uh, St. John 7, 24, it says, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Let me read that again. He says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And as Jesus began to talk to the people, they were uh, questioning him about how he lived and, 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 and how they should carry themselves. And Jesus began to tell them, you know, you got to, when you judge righteously, will you judge according to what, what, the, what the word has said? But not only to what the word has said, but God, the Lord, I believe he said over in the book of Psalms, God desires that we have judgment with mercy. He wants there to be mercy with our judgment. That's why when he came to the woman that was caught with adultery, she was guilty. She was caught in the very act of adultery. There was no denying it. They set her up. They broke, broke in. She and the man were in the act of adultery. Somehow, he magically disappeared. And here this woman is. They set her up. And they brought her before, uh, out into the courtyard at the, at the temple and said, Okay, Jesus, what you going to do? See, not only did they set her up, they were trying to set him up. Because Jesus was preaching the mercy of God and how that God had come he said, I didn't come for the, 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 the healed. He said, I came for the sick. He didn't, I'm not coming for the healed. That's what the physician comes. The physicians are for those people who are sick. So he says, I'm coming for those who need me. And because Jesus came for the, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He, 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 he uh, uh, delivered the leper. He spoke peace to those who were uh, tormented by demons. The multitude came, the, the, the poor, the outcasts, the publicans, they were known as sinners. He even invited some of the worst people in the neighborhood, the tax collector. So when they brought these people before Jesus, when they brought this woman before Jesus, they brought him not for him to issue judgment. They wanted to break the tie that he had with all of the people because he was known as a man of the people because he loved them. That's why we didn't, we don't want us to come after we get right. You know, some people you invite them to church and tell them, say, come on, brother, uh, uh, the Lord loves you. Come and he said, no, well, you know what? I'm not right now. You know, I can't give, I can't come right now. You know, some things I got to put off. No, you cannot clean yourself up because if you could, if any of us could have cleaned ourselves up, there would be no need for Jesus. But he said, come unto me. Are oh, you a burden and a heavy laden? And I'll give you, he's, I'll tell you, I'll lift the load. He knows you, you're struggling. He knows you lying, you was a liar before you, before you came. But he comes to deliver you and to set you free. He knows what you're addicted to. He knows you somehow, that, that, that demon of lust and, and adultery and fornication won't let you go. You said you wanted to quit, but you keep creeping up over to his house. You said you wanted to break free, but you still uh, bopping in the houses and, 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 and go and visit the prostitutes and whatever else. You're going to Vegas and acting, acting like you never knew God before. Or you won't, matter of fact, you don't even have to go to Vegas. You can get on the internet and go beyond that. You can invite them to your house and she, she or he provides their service and they go on. But the point I'm trying to make is 
Jesus said, come to me. If you want to be free, he is able to free you. He'll free your mind. As I said earlier, if you're in the deepest, darkest hole that you've ever been in your life, you are, when you realize you're there, you're in the right place so God can help you. When you hit the bottom of the bottom, what we call rock bottom, that's the base. Can't go further. Past, you can't go past that rock. But when you hit that spot and you reach out by faith and say, Lord, help me. And that's why Jesus is talking to these people about judging righteous judgment because they were looking at the outward man, seeking to clean him up. So let's go now. Let's go over to uh, Matthew 27, 23, 27 and read about this. This is Matt, St. Matthew 23 chapter. And Jesus began to speak to the religious people. And again, the book of James talks about being James 1, first chapter of James. It says that um, pure religion undefined before God is this, that you visit the fathers, fatherless and the widows in their affliction and that you keep, he's talking about a man, that man would keep himself unspotted from the world. Well, what he's talking about, first, if you visit the fatherless and the, and the widows, it means that you're willing to show love. You're showing love to the, uh, the abandoned children, to those who are without, and then to the aged who you know who've lived this life, who've worked hard, and now they may need some help or support to uh, live their life in comfort. He says, help them. He was speaking to the people of their time and to us. He not only wants us to be blessed, and that's why I've come to know that God wants the church blessed so we can be a blessing. Not for you to have 29 cars and a house in every state. But he wants you to not only be blessed, but he wants us to be able to bless others. So when there's a need, you too can reach out and say, hey, I got a, I got somewhere you I got a house that you can stay in until you get on your feet. Oh hey, uh, mom, I know you worked hard. You you uh, uh you've been in this apartment for how x number of years. Come, I got this uh, townhouse that you can live in. You don't have to cut the grass. The only thing you got to do is live, and just pay the utilities. I got you. That's what Jesus wants us to be. It's to be a light of the world, a light in the world. He said, I didn't come to take you out of the world. But he said, I'm calling you in the world so that you will be like a light set on the hill. So that when that men see you, as the scripture said, they will see your good works and glorify God, which is in heaven. Then when they make that comparison, say, look, I know a people, I know a church. I'm not just talking about a building that we are the church. We are the temple of God. So when they look at us, they say, look, here is a people that are a blessing to the neighborhood. They are a blessing to the, to, the, to the city. They are a blessing to those who are around them. They feed the homeless. They, they, they comfort the, uh, 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 the widows. They help the children. They got a free school. They get, everybody comes tuition free. They provide uh, a housing for bruised and battered women and their children. They provide education for prisoners who when they come out of jail, or out of the, uh, uh, whether they're male or female, they come out. And we are a help to them. And for those who are confused in their mind, they teach them and they love them. And when we talk about judging, no, you come. We don't judge you when you come in and say, okay, because we know you need help because we need help. A church is a place where people who need help come. 
And then we give you the word and let the word of God change you from the inside out. So in John 23, uh, 23rd chapter, around 27th verse, Jesus again is talking to the scribes and Pharisees. I might make it the 26th verse. Let's go a little further back. <laughs> the 25th verse. Jesus saying, and uh, uh, John, St. Matthew 23, 25, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And remember, hypocrites are actors. People who pretend they are one thing, and yet they are another. He says, for you make the outside, you make clean, rather, the outside of the club and of the platter. But within, they are full of extortion and excess. And you know, extortioners are when people will take out of pressure, they will pressure you. That, that means extort means I get money out of you by press by pressure, by uh, condemnation, by uh, uh, by damnation. I put all these things on you because I need my money. So like in the movies where uh, 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 Tony comes over, or the other other group or the mob in the in the in the neighborhood comes over and says, "Look, you need to give it up," because uh, as they say, you know, you you you're gonna, you're gonna need some insurance. He said, well, I got State Farm. I got, no, you need the insurance because there's a lot of buildings getting burned up around here. Wouldn't want that to happen to yours. But if I can get uh, $1,000 a week, make sure your stocks is here tomorrow. But if, but, but if uh, that money's not here next Friday when I get here, you might ought to, you might ought to uh, not be sleeping in this store. That's called extortion. Sometimes false churches have done this. Where they extorted the people and told them that God's going to kill them if they don't uh, give a thousand dollars to the to the false preacher or the false prophet. How they go to widows and and, and, and the Bible calls it. It says that they make merchandise of you, where they extort money from the poor widows. They extort money from those who love the church and who have their innocent heart and they want to see the house of God being built, and they take. And take and take and never put anything into the house. And the people of God just stripped. Stripped. So he goes on to say, if we, we need to speed up a little bit here, he says, um, he says, for within, he said, thou Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that outside of them may be clean also. So when he's talking about the inside, He's talking about the heart. He said, take care of your heart. Get your heart right and your works will be right. The inside will be, the inside will, will, will uh, uh, be clean and varnished. The 27th verse says again, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, called them hypocrites again, for you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within are full of dead men bones and of all uncleanliness. And the last verse says, even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men. But within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. We got to read one more because Jesus was, he was on it. And again, he did not come. Do you notice that he were against the people who were hindering and, and, and hurting the church as in their day as in our day? There is a shaking going on where we are continually going to see uh, 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 hypocritical ministries and, and, and people who have 
of, of have, have, have extorted the church and who have taken from the poor and who have made merchandise of the elderly and who have used the, the church as merchandise. They are fall, they have fallen, they are all falling, and they are all going to continue to fall because the Bible says in the last day, Jesus says, let the wheat and the tail grow up together, but I'm going to do the separating. There is becoming now a separation. And it's going to be clearly seen of what sort of work we are. What sort of work, what are we building up? What are we doing? And you'll clearly be able to see, if you have a spiritual eye, of who and what God is doing this last day, that what the message is, God is calling a people out. And he's not only calling those who are in the church out, but he's calling this world in. He's calling us. He's calling us to go out into the harvest. He said the harvest is pitiful, but the labors are few. All of this chaos, all of these things that are happening, murders happening, you know, children being kidnapped, uh, women being beaten and, 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 and slaughtered, people being slaughtered in hospitals, in, in places of work, in, in shopping centers. God's still God and God's still full of love. But not only did Jesus speak to those about the, the scribes and Pharisees about their lives, but he began as he was as he was heading toward being crucified. He wanted to, he was speaking to his people about what they should look for. He had preached to the disciples over and over again. He said he told them when he looked at the temple, he said, "You destroy this temple, and in three days I'll rise it, I'll raise it up again." And it was it was um, I believe it was Herod's temple. And uh, they looked at the master. Wait a minute. I believe it took them 46 years to build this temple. And you're going to rebuild it in three days? How are you going to do that? They didn't understand that Jesus was speaking of himself. He says, I'm going to raise it up. Because we are the temple. We are the body of Christ. And they didn't know this. They didn't have this revelation. Because the disciples at this time were not delivered. They were not believers now. They were followers. God, Jesus had used them. He had put they had the spirit on them. But now as they begin to close out, Jesus said, now I got to tell you what's going on. I got to tell you, prepare yourself. And he told them, all of them who were around him, about how the life uh, that he had lived and about the death that he was going to suffer. But they weren't listening. But if they had went to the word. When they heard him say these things, if they just went to Psalms 22, David prophesied about what was going to happen to him. I mean, it was Zechariah that prophesied when they asked him after he was crucified. And he said, what are these hands, what are these wounds in your hands and in your feet? He said, I got these in the house of my friends. But again, all of the answers were, were there for them to, to read if their eyes would have been open, if, if they would have went to the scripture. So here we are in Luke 23, 26. And, I'm, and, and for time's sake, I'm not going to read everything today. As a matter of fact, my time is just about out. So I'm not going to be able to get to where I want today. But again, we're going to pick up our next time in Luke 23. But when we're talking about comparison, we're talking about that we must judge righteously. And in our day, Jesus was fulfilling the law. He was doing everything that was required because he was now getting ready to take the church to another level. He was getting ready to show them a new revelation of God. And he was that revelation. Jesus said that in the volume of the book, it was written of me to do thy will, O God. 
to take away the first that I may establish the second. What was the first? The first was the law and the prophets. And he even told them while he was living. He said, look, when they talked about uh, uh, Elijah, he said, look, not, yeah, not Elijah, but John the Baptist. He said, there's no man been born greater than John the Baptist. But he said, because John the Baptist uh, was at the end of the, of the law. But he said, he, speaking of us who are in the kingdom, he said, the least of these is greater than John. Why? Because we now enter into the gospel of grace. We have the teachings of Jesus Christ. We now, who on the other side of Jesus' death, now we can enjoy everything. We being the Gentile, we being the Jew who believe in Christ, we have the opportunity to have God not only with us, but in us. We are the body of Christ. So again, I thank you for listening today. We'll pick up here the next time as we continue this journey on Journeys in Grace. And before we close, I'm going to have words of prayer. Father, I thank you for those who, for those who hear us today, Lord. I pray for those who are in that are desiring to be saved, God, those who are bound maybe with alcohol or with uh, whatever addiction they may have. I pray, Lord God, that they will be free today. And if you have prayed, you will repeat this prayer after me, Father. I am a sinner. Today, Lord, I present my life to you. You said if any man call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord Jesus, I call upon you. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you, Lord. For I now am part of the family of God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for washing me in your blood. Teach me, Lord, your way. And show me the way that I should walk. I thank you, Lord. And receive you now as Lord, as Savior, and as friend. Till we meet again on Journeys and Gracious, Pastor Eric Hubbard. Until the next time, be blessed.